Welcome to Docs in Orbit, where we feature conversations with independent creative documentary filmmakers from around the world. This is Christina Zachariades. In this episode, I'm joined with filmmaker and dear friend Vanessa Tienza ahead of her traveling to IDFA to review the program. IDFA is one of the largest documentary events, and their extensive programming is energizing for the international documentary film community, but it's also very overwhelming with over 260 titles and only 10 days. So before boarding her flight, we sat together to go over each section of the program and quickly co-curate a watch list to help guide our festival experience. Venice is a filmmaker currently living between Mumbai and Manila. She's also a graduate of the European Film School, Doc Nomads, and her first feature film, Last Days at Sea, debuted in March 2021 at the Berlinale and is closing out the year in the Best of Fest section at IDFA. She is also a returning contributor to the podcast and sat with us earlier this year to discuss Last Days at Sea, so I'll be sure to link that episode in the show notes and on our website for those to take a listen. So without further ado, here's the conversation. Hi. Hello. I can hear you now just perfectly. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, first, I wanted to just say thank you so much for making time on a travel day to sit with me. <laughs> and congratulations on the success of your film. I mean, this is like a huge, big life event for you that this film, you know, has been out in the world for so long now since Berlin. And just like touring amazing, incredible festivals. And it is ending the year in the Best of Fests section at IDFA. What was that like to get the news that... Well, I was... I mean, honestly, I was very, very happy. And because I've always dreamed of like showing my film just anywhere. But I remember one of the very first festival experiences that I've had was with IDFA, like in Doc Nomads. There was this one semester when we would go to IDFA and it was like one of the first times that I've experienced going to a documentary film festival. And at that time, I didn't even dare to dream of bringing a film there. I was just happy to be there physically. So when when I found out that Last Day Satsi would be in IDFA, you know, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. We loved this <laughs> film when we first saw it, and we're lucky to have been able to have you talk in depth about it. So, um, I, for this conversation, what I would re- what I was really hoping to do is because there's just to keep it really casual. Yeah, because I know yeah. that we did. We both didn't have like a ton of time to prepare for this. There's a lot yeah. going on, especially in your world. You're about to catch a flight today, right? Like your flight is. Yeah. Yeah, in like a few hours. <laughs> okay. I have to be at the airport like in four hours. Yeah. Wait, is this the first is this the first festival that you're gonna be physically present at with your film? Yes. <laughs> it will be the first. Yeah, it is, it is. It will be the first time I'm gonna actually see it at a screen, like a cinema screen, like with an audience. It will oh be my the first. God. Time. I know. I know it like it's a bit 
it's a bit incredible actually to to just thinking about it because like in the last year you know we were all in our house houses i mean especially for me because covid like have a very different experience of covid and it was just very difficult to go to the screenings physically for example i know that many like festivals that i've that the film has gone to uh, multiple times we've tried to get me there but always one thing or the other would happen the regulations would change or i would need to quarantine for 10 days and there are lots of visa requirements also mm-hmm. and sometimes like you don't have enough time to process it and things like that so and there was also a bit of a scare with idfa too a few days ago yeah yeah where they um because they're going under a partial lockdown and so it was up in the air if filmmakers <laughs> were going to even be able to make it there yeah Yeah. So, so you were holding your breath, I'm sure. Yeah, I know, I know. It's it it's always like this. I mean, for me until I'm like actually in Amsterdam, I'm always going to be thinking 10 steps ahead in case like I don't make it. That's that was just like the mentality that I went into. Yeah, but yeah. hopefully everything will go smoothly and yeah. you're going to be there in no time, well rested and um <laughs> I'm so excited for you and I can't wait to hear if we do have time. I'd love to hear like your recap after, you know, oh, and what yeah, your impressions. That would be fun. But yeah. before we before we get to the recap after, I, let me I'd love to have you cue me in on some of your um some of your film picks. Yeah. I I still haven't fully written down everything, but because of this talk that we're having right now and like looking through the the entire program yeah yeah i mean it is a there's i think this year 264 titles yeah. and the sections are a little bit different this year they have um especially the competition section so they added two sections so they have the international competition mm-hmm. film which is a kind of a new section and then they also have um the envision competition mm-hmm. se- category But I think what they ended up doing is actually just consolidating sections. Yeah. They seem to have done away with the mid-length and first appearance and mm. uh, Dutch competition. Yeah. So yeah. there's are now kind of like finding their way in other different competitive areas. Yeah, I mean, I've had a chance to study to study it a little bit, but yeah. Should we we should probably start with like the two main competition sections which are the international yeah. and the envision um what do you think like yeah, yeah. you can start like I think no no no. i want to i actually want to hear yours first yeah so i wanted to see actually uh when i saw that children of the mist would be in idfa um it's by diem hale uh she's a vietnamese director and the thing is i saw this project in many different um pitching forums also while i was at the tail end of finishing last days at sea and i remember watching one of the pitches and like i was really moved by the main character of the film and what she's going through and how the film kind of confronts tradition but at the same time you know maybe i should just give a background on what the film is about yeah yeah i mean yeah. it's can i like is it okay like yeah to- absolutely totally yeah Yeah so it's about like this 
the main character is D, and she's a 13-year-old Hmong girl. She's part of an ethnic group where, at a certain age, it's uh, very common for uh, young girls to be kidnapped. Like, during the lunar... Uh, there's, like, a time in the lunar calendar where it's customary for young girls to be kidnapped as brides. Wow. Yeah, and I remember, like, watching one of the scenes and thinking how intense uh, the whole thing is because there are, like, very tender moments from, from what I saw in the previous pitches. Like, there were very tender moments of her playing with her friends and, you know, being on their phones. And then also, like, there's a scene, there's a moment. You will also see it in the trailer where she's with a guy and they're taking selfies. But at the same time, you see that she's also very feisty. At the end of the trailer, she covers the, the camera and... You know, you really see that, I don't know, I just got this feeling that even if she lived in this a very traditional way of living, she also doesn't want to conform. So I'm really interested at how, like, her story is, like, told in this film. I mean, when I first saw it, I remember really anticipating it because also... Yeah, I mean, I've never heard of something like this uh, before also. But at the same time, even if like the situation of the protagonist is very different from what I'm familiar with, there are also very specific things that I relate to, you know, like there are certain things that I saw in the trailer that I felt was me when I was a child her age, you know, like being with a guy, like seeing a boy and like giving smiles to a boy, you know, like these are things that I also relate to. So I'm really curious to see how the film goes. I'm also really interested in this one. I had highlighted it. I had circled it um, to watch as well. Um, the trailer really got me and similar things as to what you're saying. You know, it seems like this is such an ancient custom and I'm really surprised. Is this even legal in Vietnam? Yeah, I think like it's, it's part of the Lunar New Year celebration. So it's like a tradition. This is one of the things that like made me curious to understand like how also because it sounds controversial. So I want to also understand how the how the film tries to make the audience understand this, you know, in a way that is not black and white almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to see. I'm definitely, that. I'm definitely interested in, in this one as well. So yeah. that's a really good pick. I think yeah. that's a really, really good pick. The one that stood out to me was the um, A Thousand Fires, which is set in Myanmar. Mm. That trailer really, really moved me. So it's um, a film from Saeed Taji Faroki. Is that how you say his last name? I don't know his... Mm. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know any of their previous works, or if this like mm. I don't know much background on this at all. But the the trailer was really fascinating, and it tells a story of um, this region in Myanmar where there's a, a an old couple, a husband and wife, that are running an unregulated oil field, and it's kind of a portrait. The way that it's described in the synopsis is that it's a portrait of a family in flux and a story mm. of intergenerational conflict and compromise. Mm. Um, but the trailer just felt really gentle and beautifully shot. 
Uh, it also premiered at Locarno. It was the opening film there, and it won the Marco Zucchi Award for Most Innovative Documentary. And I noticed that it's also represented by Square Eyes, which always has an incredible list of films. So it's, yeah. And also, I feel that, like, this combination of mysticism and, like, envir- something, like, myst- something mystic, but also something very concrete in the environment and digging and movement is also something that interests me somehow, like, how do how do all these things combine in a film you know like how do they like find places in a film Mm -hmm. yeah yeah actually the one when you use the word mystic the one that the film that comes to mind that really intrigues me is um i think it's called tamadin or tamadin i'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it but it's Mm. um it's from mali cameroon south africa it's a co-production with mali cameroon south africa france and belgium and it's by sedu sisi i i honestly like apologies for mispronouncing these i'm really just discovering this filmmaker as well um but it's a story that follows three young men from West Africa that are crossing the Mediterranean into Spain. And it also follows at the same time a fourth man in Mali who's preparing for this trip. And what they all have in common is that they undergo these trips with the guidance of spirit guides. There's a mystical, religious, or other world presence. I'm interested to see how that makes it into the film. Yeah. Um, and and the I think there was I'm not sure if there was a trailer for that yet. Yeah, there isn't there isn't a trailer for it available. So it's it's very mysterious. Yeah, <laughs> what it will look yeah. like. Yeah, but no, in terms okay, no. but in terms of a topic, yeah, this idea of like how do you capture this invisible world um in this visible format it's something that i'm also really really curious about um and so that that one made it on my list for the international competition section as well yeah okay now i will also add this to the list because you know also in in the philippines we also have this at least my grandmother tells me that like when like the soul travels on a boat uh when you when you pass like when you go on to the other side you pass water and you're accompanied by like a a man at the front who brings you to the other side so hearing just listening to this story of tamaden and like this idea of a traveler who moves from one world to the next it's not death it's not life and death exactly as Mm -hmm. like what i believe like i've grown i've grown up hearing but somehow when you move from where you've come from to like a new place there's also that kind of passage that happens, you know, like. I, I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. I think it's interesting to just kind of also get introduced to the similarities of myths across different, um, across different cultures. There's a few other films yeah. I just really quickly wanted to highlight. I don't know if, um, if there's any that you wanted to highlight before we move on to the Envision section. But for me, I just wanted to highlight um, how the room felt a Georgian film. It's a world premiere and it follows an LGBTQ plus community in Kutaisi. 
And um, and the reason why the trailer looks really fun, I think the music, the it, it's got a, a bit different energy to it than the other films that we just discussed. Firstly, I I'm obsessed with Georgian cinema and Georgian wine, for the record. <laughs> uh, but this film particularly is um, is interesting not only because of its subject matter, but also because it's the first film um, produced by Salome Jashi, who is the director Whoa. of Taming the Garden. Yeah, so she um, so she's the main producer of this film and a fellow Doc Nomad alumni and also Docs in Orbit co-contributor yeah. Eka Tsutsoria. She is the um, the editor on this on this film. Wow! Yeah. So. Okay. Wow, the list is just getting longer and longer. Yeah. <laughs> I think it will never end. I mean, I'm sure there you're also there might be some conflicts of t- you know like oh Time. I can't watch it because you know you have to might make some choices so it's good to have options I guess yeah not to feel like you're being overwhelmed but just like oh there's you know and these films are we should say like they're world premiere these films are world premieres most of them if not international Mm -hmm. premieres and so they'll they'll be around like this is just kind of like a big jumping off point did you know that um there was another um doc nomad film i think in the main comp in the international competition really yeah, uh, it's called Where We Are Headed by Ruslan Fedoto. Oh, I have I to didn't... check if he's, I have to check if um, he is. But yeah, because I've always been fascinated by non-places like train stations, airports, and because I feel that like it's a place, but nobody really stays there. So your memories of that, of those places are always in transit. Mm, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, so this kind of, this film where we are headed is set in the Moscow Metro. He, I think what, what happens is he meets lots of different people. You notice details, observe people going about their daily lives as they like, pass through this non-place, which is the Moscow Metro. And while I, I actually, while I was in Doc Nomads, I tried to make something like this about a non-place, but I, sadly, I don't feel like I succeeded, but I'm very interested on how the film is constructed and, and how, yeah. And how the film like kind of gives life, life to a place where everyone just passes by. So yes. the the other competition section that um, it's a new category this year is the Envision section, and there's 15 films here. And the way that they describe the section, at least on the program, is that it is a little bit more films that have more of like a radical artistic approach to them. Mm. There's a couple in particular that really interested me in this section. One is Escape by Adeline Neri Hay. It's a it's out of France. And it's a wow. film that is confronting trauma in a in a really delicate way. The subject matter that it takes on is the um, after the fall of the Khmer Rouge regime, a woman flees her country with a baby in her arms. And so 40 years later, that baby, her daughter, confronts her mom's silence about what happened and the trauma and this and, and unearthing sort of like the difficult human experience. 
I'm really interested about this sort of idea of transmission of memory. You know, like something similar to Escape is also like two other films that touched me from the Envision competition, like Envision section, is like the idea of uh, intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. Because one of the films that I also wanted to see is Four Journeys by Louise Hotrotrot. Actually, the opening think, film. Yeah. yeah, it's the opening film. So like, I'm excited to see that because it's also a very personal film about like the influence of a government policy, like on a family, you know, in the same way that the director also confronts something from the past. It's somehow related to this, to escape also, you know, how like both the films are a confrontation on something that happened before. And trying to understand how what was in the past still kind of lives in your bones somehow, like Mm -hmm. in your personhood. So I'm curious to see both films, actually. Yeah, you know, the the four, um, four journeys, I would love to hear your impression after seeing that, especially because it's um, it kind of. When I was reading, when I was reading the synopsis of this, because it takes on the subject of the one-child policy in China, of course, I was thinking about other films and other filmmakers that have recently even. Um, I mean, there's One Child Nation, of course, but then even more recently, All About My Sisters, which was at the New York Film Festival, which yeah. I know that you saw and you really, yeah. really loved. I really loved, yeah. And that is like a very personal film that investigates the psychological effects of this very oppressive um, policy in, in China. Yeah. And and it did it in, in this really patient and personal, I mean, yeah, in just like this this really special way. And so I think it'd be yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think, I think it'd be interesting how those two films are in dialogue with one another. And yeah. Um, and especially one that takes place where it's sort of like an expat, view of it um Mm. and then and also like this more insider view of it and also the limitations right of like what a filmmaker can say when they're actually in a country that has i mean i mean there's a lot of restrictions for chinese filmmakers living and working in china in terms of like their what they can express on screen so um that's a good pick yeah journeys yeah like and a great pick for as an opening film too i i often wonder how they select the opening films yeah (laughs) it's also something that i'm very curious about and also like there's a like while reading just now going through the synopsis again uh, in his 20s that was when he left for amsterdam and i kind of understand this feeling of someone who has left home Mm-hmm. I'm I, yeah I'm really curious I, I'm also very curious about like how much of the filmmakers is a personal reflections will be in the film I mean of course everything in the film is his personal reflection but like I want to know like how much he is in the film mm. like, yeah. yeah yeah you know and yeah. on that note too there's another film um, there's another Chinese filmmaker actually that is on in this section it's um Shan Shu Hu, which is the film, it's a world premiere, um, The Burrows, which that, yeah. the trailer for that was very yeah. striking. Just this 
static shot of yeah. um of people digging and um a tomb basically yeah. in in the countryside of china in a small village and yeah. you know it's on your watch list also yeah no i'm really curious about like for example four journeys and the burrows are both from filmmakers with chinese lineage but like i also want to know like almost a comparison of how they how, what kind of distance they took in the film you know like the same question that i had for four journeys like how much is a director in and in the burrows like i also want to know like just in terms of framing is very different right mm-hmm. but from what i've read in the synopsis he was he's also in the burrows the filmmaker is also filming their family so i'm just curious to see how the filmmakers create distance between them and the mm-hmm. people who are like they are very personally close with Yeah. Yeah, because they're filming their families, no. So Yeah, they're filming yeah. their families and and the in the premise of the story or the main activity that he's filming or yeah, that that the sort of the film is centered around is this tradition of building a tomb for mm. your ancestors. And so in this case, I think they're they're building the tomb for his grandparents. Yeah. Um yeah. but he but you're right in that from the trailer it seemed like it was going to be super observational because it's just this like long shot yeah. and we're kind of observing these people in a landscape that are digging and then they have um conversation with with one another uh for, you know that kind of reveals a little bit of, of of some things but um but in the synopsis it reads that he introduces these people and himself um there is a voiceover about his memories and his dreams yeah. um that will lend some of that personal more personal texture so i think mm. that yeah this idea of like i what i really love is when I I love observational films, absolutely love them, but I really am impressed when you're when the filmmaker is able to share their own vulnerability as well on the screen um yeah. in some way or include that in some way and so I'm interested to see how that how that um balances in the film. Yeah. Um and yeah. also just like the, the just the the careful composition of the image was really drew me in and I'm sure I'm, I'm I'll expect a lot of a lot more of those in the film. So there's a there's a couple others in in the section but yeah I think that those are three really yeah. I think together we've picked, we've made three strong selections yeah. <laughs> for envision competition. Next one is what lots of other sections. I really don't want to miss though the Idfa on stage, especially since you're going to be there in person. Um mm. and Idfa on stage is is um it's really more of like the performance live cinema event section and there's going to be seven titles there. One that I'm entire like I'm super super excited about is the um the history of the Civil War by Zygov Vertov. So I'm really keen. I wish I was there in person because this is really like a, a a very special occasion of this film. Mm. Have you read anything about it yet? Not yet. Okay. So yeah. I'll just like quickly give you cuz I I um I read a little bit about it. I also read the press kit for it so I can just summarize very quickly and try to sell okay. you on making time for this so that you can report back. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, cool. So um so In brief, this film, um, Zygov Vertov, was made a hundred years ago, 
and it chronicles the events of the civil war in Russia, which was between 1918 and 1921. Originally, it was a silent film, and it chronicled the events in chronological order of the of the civil war in Russia. And inside of it, it includes several historical characters, like leaders of the Soviet government and the Red Army. But what's fascinating about this film is that it was only screened once, and it was in Moscow in front of an audience of 600 delegates during the Third World Congress of the Communist International Organization. And that was the only time that it had been screened until now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Oh, my God. And, and so the, the film, the restoration, it's been, it's 35 millimeter. The restorer, it took two years for him to, to, to put together and piece together and find all of the footage for this. Um, and there's only one missing scene from the original, and that's um, a scene that's supposed to include Stalin. So that's other than that, it's like the complete, complete work. And the way that they're presenting it is also super fascinating. Um, it will have, it will be, it was originally a silent film, as I said, but in this, um, on IDFA on stage, it will be accompanied by an orchestra. Uh, oh. Yeah, so it'll, it'll have, um, I don't know if it's going to be contemporary music, I'm not entirely sure, but the orchestra is... Um, I have the name here. It's a live score from Anvil Orchestra, and they have done other scores, kind of like contemporary scores for other silent films, including his epic, you know, or his landmark documentary, Man with the Movie Camera, movie camera. Um, and also Eisenstein's Strike. So uh. it, it'll be interesting to see or to hear wow. or to experience that. So please... Oh my God. Okay. Go, go, go okay. and tell oh me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's so incredible how like it was only screened once and it will screen again now, a hundred, like a hundred years, maybe later. It's, I don't know, just the thought of like a singular film surviving those hundred years after even like at the, now while we were in, while we're at, in a pandemic is kind of mind blowing, no? Because Many things happen in those hundred years. So, so. I know, I know, and but the texture <sighs> of film is still so mesmerizing from back then. Yeah, like it, yeah. it's unlike anything other. I mean, I think like Man with a Movie Camera is mm -hmm. still. I can watch that over and over and over again every every year and not get bored of it. Yeah. So, but there's another pick. Like you have a pick on the Idfa on stage section two. That yes, I wanted to um, be there for spectral transmissions. I don't know. There's something that captivated me with the idea of like hungry ghosts and dreams and hallucinations. At the same time, you know, it interweaves the AIDS pandemic with coronavirus and like something very personal which is like the filmmakers experiences respiratory illnesses like i don't know i think there's just a lot of different things um happening in one like multidisciplinary film mm. and the thing is um for example me as a filmmaker um i have never really thought of like live performance 
uh, as like something that is part of the films that I make. And so like I wanted to understand like how, you know, how filmmakers form their ideas and how they build it into like an experience that should be experienced mm-hmm. live. I mean, I I don't even know like what to expect honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I see that that's why I think these are really yeah, these are really special sections in in Idfa because reading them sometimes you're just like you know it's easy sometimes to imagine a film what a film will be by reading the synopsis and looking at the trailer um this one does have a trailer but oh this trailer i mean like you hear the texture and the crackling of the audio and um yeah i wonder how it's gonna be brought to life on a stage um and sort of like a more theatrical not in like a cinema theater but like in a, in a theatrical and stage sense um how yeah. that will be directed in a live yeah. setting uh and yeah. also like i think everything that happens like in that kind of live performance um kind of method it means that for every every time it's performed it's also different because yeah. the audience is different as an organism the audience is different and you know like we are different from one day to the next so like every so the experiences of these things on stage will always be different from one on one another which mm-hmm. i think is also kind of mind blowing if i if i think about it as i'm scrolling through uh the key collaborators um Kirsten Johnson who i'm a huge super fan of there's also Courtney Stevens I'm noticing mm-hmm. that name Courtney Stevens she also has a film on um, Idfa on stage called Terra Femme it was yeah. also at, at Camden and we talked about that at length um, in our Camden episode mm-hmm. so it looks like the all I'm just I guess trying to say in a long-winded way is that it looks like the, there's intriguing collaborations happening around this as well so yeah, go see it. Report back. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to report back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I know we're running out of time. So just want to do a couple more sections. How about um, which which one are you really keen to like, let's definitely to, to cover? I or... want to like cover the youth. Wait. Yes, yes. That's Wait. that's one that often gets overlooked. I think. It's yeah, it's a competition for youth documentary. Okay. Um, because it's been renamed, it was formerly Info Competition for Kids and Dogs. And I don't know, I just really appreciate that festivals really give space for like the young audiences. Mm-hmm. I feel that, you know, it's very important not just to tell stories about young people, but also like to, you know, give young people access to films. I think I think it's mm-hmm. very, very important, especially because like I feel that somehow uh, young people's world, worlds are kind of unknown worlds, even if we've all been young before. Mm-hmm. So, like, I look through the info competition for youth documentary, and I feel like I want to watch all of them. <laughs> and one is, uh, which is called Wild Animal. It's about Janira, who is uh, thought to be having some uh, speech impediment. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a young like very young almost like toddler uh, mm. age and but I was so like moved by how it was filmed at least the one that I saw in the trailer 
it was filmed very closely and and the treatment of the light and I feel that yeah Mm -hmm. it was really beautiful and I felt that somehow if we want to how can I say that children also have their inner worlds and I feel that it's a real challenge to be able to show that as an adult but I'm curious to know how Maria Besora, the filmmaker, is able to make this world of Janira come alive. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, as there is not much speech, then there's only movement and action. And, like, I'm just really, yeah, I'm curious to see that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that, thank you for pointing this one out. I just reviewed the trailer and it's absolutely stunning, yeah. lovely, warm. Um, camera work and it is it sounds like a really excellent story so yeah. she's a three-year-old girl that lives on a goat farm and it's filmed in Spain is that right yeah 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 and also like for a while I, I realized how much I depended I depended on speech to gain access to someone's inner world and so since Janira as I as said in the synopsis, she her speech isn't as fluent as her peers. So I wanted to know like how the director or how the film is able to enter her world without words. Especially also because she's very young. And I, I wanted I'm very curious to know how the film treats that, like how the film treats her inner world. That ties in nicely to the best of fest section, which Last Days at Sea is, you will find that in there for those listening. Make sure you go see that one because that one's a stunning, beautiful film. Also takes on the subject matter of of a child world, of the world of a child. But in terms of like the speech impediment or difficulties with speech and communication and language, I think Looking for Horses is a, a beautiful film that also tackles on similar themes and that is um in the best of fest section yeah and it was it's an excellent film it premiered at visions de real i'm sure have you had a chance to see it actually no i didn't get a chance to see it maybe i'll see it in the big screen (laughs) i would like to yeah i would love to yeah i've heard so much about it i just didn't get the time to watch it during vision de real but it's definite it's also on my list yeah. My very long list. <laughs> Your very long, long list. Well, I should yeah. highlight that um, the Best of Fest section, I'm very excited about there. And I'm also I'm also really proud of the co-curation for Docs in Orbit in collaboration with Eileen Gokman and Tiama Akamli and Kopal Joshi because mm. we were all worked in great collaboration this year to select the films that we would feature on Docs in Orbit and the when the first nine that they announced in the best of fest section, four of the five that we have picked. So we've picked five films this year to feature on docs in orbit and four of the five, five films have made it on, on uh, in the best of fest section. So last days at sea looking for horses, uh, a night of knowing nothing and, uh, and Taming the Garden by Salome Joshi. So, um, and there's others in there that I'm also, I haven't seen yet um, that, that, um, that I'm, I'm, I'm keen to watch. Particularly, I don't know if you have come across this one, Kalsubai. Kalsubai? Yeah. Have you heard yeah, of I have not, I've, have, I've not seen it yet. By Yudajit Basu. 
in India, and it's the Dutch premiere. Um, and it's basically the the synopsis reads: mythical past and everyday present meet in this ethnographic film at the foot of the Indian mountain. And so a woman narrates the story of this legend of the goddess of Kalsu, um, who shook the foundations of the patriarchy and is still praised in song by the women of the village. But yeah, so how are we on time? Did we... We have, we have 10 minutes more. Like, do you want, there are, are there others that you would like to discuss other... Well, I mean, the Hetosterile top 10 is one that um, that I'm going to that I have a lot of films circled around. Well, first of all, because Hetosterile is I love I love her work. She's a German filmmaker and theorist making highly conceptual works that circle around the topic of militarization or surveillance, migration or the role of media in globalized societies. So I was actually first introduced to her work through Lynn Sachs, who we had on the podcast last year. And she named um, Hito Sterile as one of her major influences and specifically the her essay in defense of the poor image, mm. um, which I, I found to be a, a big point of departure for the work that I'm um investigating at the moment for my own personal what's the title again i would like to read it it's also. um it's hito sterile's essay in defense of the poor image oh, okay yeah that may yeah. that that could make really good reading on your on yeah. your flight i can I'll send yeah. you the link yeah it's an essay where basically she mm. looks at the degraded image but not degraded in the sense of 16 millimeter archival but more mm. degraded and sort of like stuff that you rip off the internet and um and how it kind of moves from hand to hand and eventually you become aware of its like demise and so mm. yeah instead of thinking about the alluring image fresh out of the camera that's unaffected by life's journey she really mm. kind of um champions the degraded image as in the title of the essay in defense of the poor image um, and, and it's not surprising to see in her top 10 that we have works like Videograms of a Revolution by Arun Faroki, who she's actually written about and exhibited with. So, um, and then also on her top 10 list is Nitrate Kisses by Barbara Hammer. And in terms of like a dissident filmmaker, which the, the most of the works in this top 10 are um, as the program describes it, is like dissident filmmakers who in their own way have radically shaped the art of the political documentary cinema mm. category and so there we have also of course citizen four by laura poitras mm. um and among you know like others so yeah i just I, I think it's like an interesting i love that they do this i love that idfa brings on a, a filmmaker every year to curate 10 or select 10 films and I think she's going to be giving a talk and hopefully if if you can't make it in person then I think these things make their way online on IDFA I'm not quite sure I have to yeah. look and see what their plans are I have to are. look and see yeah but so wow I know we still didn't even cover immersive nonfiction, the doc yeah. lab area these are also things that you experience while you are present there you know yeah 
yeah, you won't have the chance to to experience it otherwise. So I feel that given the chance, I would visit all and make notes and, you know, get in conversation if I can, if the filmmakers are there to understand more of their processes. And yeah. 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 Well, well, I hope this has been helpful for prep work. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it is, especially like Zigavetov. I mean, I I was just like, okay, maybe it's just something. I didn't even read it, you know. But now that you tell me more about it, because I was looking through it like mad. Like I was looking through the program because I was feeling like I was running out of time and I have to be in info with like a concrete plan. But I think like talking to you and hearing like the things that you wanted to to visit or the things that you wanted to view, I, it really like helped me, okay, like take a step back and just calmly evaluate all the options yeah so I'm glad I'm glad and for, that and I for me this. too and for me too it was really wonderful to hear your selections and and also just to catch up and have the opportunity to wish you some really safe travels and a wonderful experience on the ground and I can't wait to hear how how it is for you yeah I'll definitely like you know give updates at some point yeah, yeah, keep me posted. Send me voice memos. And yeah, and if you fall in love and if you fall in love with like whether it's a VR film or any any filmmaker, like let me know and then um maybe we can arrange to have have you uh host an episode. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, safe travels. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Today's the Thank start you. of your day. Mine yeah. is about to end. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, have a great day and I'll keep you posted. Thanks for listening. You can find links to films that we discussed and our co-curated watch list on our website, docsinorbit.com backslash idfa2021. There you'll also find a playlist of discussions with four filmmakers whose work is featured in the Best of Fest section, including Last Days at Sea with Vanessa Tienza, Taming the Garden with Salome Joshi, Looking for Horses with Stefan Pavlovich, and A Night of Knowing Nothing with Payal Kapadia. This episode was produced by Christina Zachariades in Brooklyn. And with music by Naeem Mahboub in Stockholm. <laughs>